How's everybody doing? Worship was good, wasn't it? Man, I like what Tom said there at the end, end of the uh, service. We are imagers of the Lord, and our goal is to image and, and reflect the beauty and the glory of the Lord in our lives. Amen. And so that's even what we've been talking about in our messages the last couple weeks is we've been talking about creating healthy families. And when we're talking about creating healthy families, what we're talking about is creating families that image what the relationship of Christ and the, and the Father and the Holy Spirit is. And uh, so we have been on a series, uh, and I'm going to do two more weeks this week and probably one more week, and then Tom has some things he's going to share on creating healthy families as well. But I, I hope you guys have been enjoying uh, the messages, I know they have been um, challenging from the standpoint of when we go and we talk about what healthy families do. Uh, I did have someone share with me that, ouch, that's not my family. And so I'm saying this, don't allow where your family's at right now to shame you. Allow it to cause you to be what the image that we even shared this morning in the prophetic word that Alger shared. We are clay vessels. And when Gideon faced a mighty, mighty battle, God had him reduce his army down to 300. And in that prophetic metaphor of making the declaration and shouting, and then they, he said, break your clay jars and the fire, it scared off the enemy. Ultimately, the Lord fought the battle. There is a battle, yes, we are fighting, but the Lord has said, I'm going to give you the grace to overcome these things. And it requires us to cooperate with the grace of God right now. Amen. And so I don't want you to be shamed in thinking my family can never get there. That just seems too lofty. No, the grace of God is with us right now. I feel it. And there are some who are resisting the grace and they're digging in their heels. And there are some who are connecting with the grace of God and the dysfunction and the things that are in our families are being broken off of many people. And I say, join, 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 join in on getting dysfunction out of your house. Join in on creating healthy families because healthy families don't just happen. They don't just happen. If you just skate through life, it will not happen in your home because it doesn't just happen. We create them. And it's really, really, and this isn't to... Uh, but, but there are other churches uh, that are talking about family right now. It is not just this house. I was really, really encouraged when I got an, uh, the March newsletter from Bethel Church. Uh, in their newsletter, they were talking about, and it is funny, Chris Vallotton preached on the same Sunday I did three weeks ago about family. And there is this, they're emphasizing family through March. Uh, when we were at the conference uh, this week in, in Indianapolis, there was an emphasis in the conference about family. I mean, it was so obvious that we are tracking on something and that there is a grace, there's a movement of God to clean up the body of Christ, to bring health to our families and bring health to our church family. It's here and we've got to cooperate. Can I have an amen? We have got to cooperate with the grace of God. It's going to require something from you, but it's just like what Gideon did. God said to Gideon, do this, 
and do this. And when Gideon did this, God did that. <laughs> and he brought victory to the, to, to, to the army of Gideon in that day. And the God will do the same thing for us. As we obey him, as we get convicted in these services, as God begins to move in, your, in the service, and you begin to get convicted, what I encourage you to do, write down what God convicts you on. Write it down and then ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do about that? How do you want to attack that? What do you want me to do in order to get victory in this area of my family? Does that make sense? Because you're going to get convicted today. I know several of you talked to me this week about being convicted in a certain area. This is not to shame us. It's to say, oh, there's a highlight. That's my, my family's not healthy in that area, and it needs to be. Okay, thanks for that, Holy Spirit. Now we write it down and we deal with that. What some people do, and dear God, that's not this house. You can walk out of here and what? Do nothing with it. But that's not this house. Amen. Can I have an amen on that? So God has been speaking this thing prophetically over the region and over the church in the Western church that he is not going to tolerate the dysfunction of our families any longer, the dysfunctions of our relationships. And so we have been talking about for several weeks about what our what is it that healthy families do? And so uh, the, I hope you remember the two points that I tried to make last week was what is the dysfunction? What, is, what are the two things that, that we are doing that is causing the dysfunction in our relationships? You guys remember from last week? Hopefully you wrote it down. What are the two things we're doing that causes the dysfunction in our families and in our church family? Evidently, I didn't make the point very well last week. The dysfunction of our bad social practices and our bad behavior patterns. And I shared last week, in my own personal life, there was an issue of anger. And I shared with you that that behavior pattern of anger was what God was trying to correct in my house. Because there was a pattern that was handed down to me from my father and my grandfather that they used anger to control situations. And I had fallen right into the trap. And so the two things that we're doing and the two things we're talking about, God's going to convict you today. He's going to show you your patterns. He's going to show you your behaviors. And he's convicting us by the Spirit of God so that we'll do something about it, right? And so that's what I'm talking about. So for me, it was anger. And he convicted me a long time ago. And I think I've shared many times, it all started at CVS Pharmacy. At CVS Pharmacy, God got a hold of my heart. And I had three little kids. I mean, when we started this church, my, my son Joel was three and a half. Rebecca was two. And Abraham was nine months old when we started New Covenant. And I had all three of those little bambinos with me. Karen was sick, and I had to go to CVS. And I went to CVS, and the anger came out. And they were, I was waiting at the pharmacy, and my children were running around scurrying. I'm holding Abraham, and, and I said, sit down. The anger came out. I went up to the pharmacist and got my thing. She goes, boy, I'm glad you're not my dad. beep, 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 problem in Houston, beep, 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 problem in Houston. God prophetically used that woman to get my attention. And many of you, I know last week, I could have heard a pin drop in this house. When I showed that video last week, 
of the argument with the husband and wife, you could hear a pin drop in this house. And why is that? It's because in this house, that kind of stuff is going on all the time. People argue like that. And we talked about last week how that is not the kingdom of heaven. Can I have an amen on that? That is not the kingdom of heaven and what God's wanting to do. If we will cooperate with the Spirit of God in this season, right now there's a grace to break and overcome these patterns that we have, these social behaviors that we have. The grace of God, everybody say, the grace of God is here today to empower me to overcome this junk. Amen. So that's what we talked about. And yes... It may require you to get counseling from marriage counseling from Jeff and Susan Julian for your marriage. It may require you to get emotional healing through our emotional healing team. Yep, that may happen. It may require you to get a one-on-one discipleship relationship where you can get someone to help walk you through some things in the Lord. It may require some of that. It may require you to get involved in the family of God here at New Covenant. It may require you to get involved in a connect group and build relationships so that the body of Christ can help you in your dysfunction. Yep, it's going to require something of you. But just like Gideon, if you will do your part, when God puts it in your heart on what you're to do, God will do his part. But it always requires something from us. Can I have an amen? So in the last several weeks, as we review what four areas that we hit last week, here are the four areas, what creating healthy families and what healthy families do. These are what healthy families do. Number one, they practice and share and share a spiritual commitment. We talked about that. Moms and dads are on the same page. They're practicing their faith in Christ. They're reading their word. They're teaching their children. They're practicing a spiritual commitment. They are attuned and cared for each other's needs. Healthy families do that. Healthy families, they encourage and explore emotions. Healthy families don't shut down emotions. I shared the example of my dad when the girlfriend broke up with me. Dad did not try to fix me. He didn't say, oh, Eric, you're over-exaggerating. Eric, what is the problem? No, he allowed me to experience the emotion, and he allowed health to come to me. Then he helped me in the journey of forgiving and walking through that trial that I was in. They repair damage to their relationships. Another good way to say that is we clean up our messes. When we hurt people, we clean our messes up. That was number four. And so today I'm going to go into number five. And today's topic is number five. Healthy families are devoted. It was even talked about in the service. I was like, yes, devotion. Healthy families are devoted to each other and encourage each other in the middle of trials and temptations. Hey, 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 put that one down. That's number five. We're going to talk about that briefly. In my own life over the last year, praise the Lord for the body of Christ and my own personal family, I went through a terrible trial when it came to my health. And I was in the hospital for 20 days, intensive care for a couple of that. It went really, really, really crazy. But my devoted family, praise the Lord, they were there and they were there helping me to encourage me in the journey. And so were you guys as you prayed for me and all that stuff. But healthy families literally are devoted to one another. And I want to let, let you share a scripture that uh, Paul wrote in Romans 12. Everybody say the top, love, love, love. Everybody say that, love, love, love. Devoted, devoted, devoted. 
Honor, honor, honor. We're going to bring this home. So here's what Paul says in Romans 12, 9 through 10. This is what healthy families do, guys. He's telling them because in Rome this was not happening. And so Paul is admonishing them. He is bringing something to them. He is letting them know that this is what Christian families do. He says, love must be sincere. Detest what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Outdo yourselves in honoring one another. Love must be sincere. Love must be sincere. I have been insincere before. Has anybody else been insincere in sharing your love? I mean, let's really, really get down to the brass tacks of it. In our families and in our church family, sometimes, oh, I'll pray for you. But the sincerity is really not there. Because we're so busy, we have so much going on in our life, let's really put down where the brass tacks is. And when we are Christians, Christians who are reflecting the glory of God, literally our core value, one of the core values that I shared last week is this thing of humility, of I put others before myself. And we talked about how we encourage and how we help people. We, we literally, uh, when the, in the emotion part where we, we don't shut off emotions, but we actually enter into the emotions with others as if we were going through it ourselves. Those are core values. Those are principles that, that we're talking about in, in the beginning of my message, bad social practices. <laughs> these are good practices. These are, these are core values. Because when you look at bad social practices, well, I, I'll, I'll get to that later. But anyway, we are devoted to one another. And we're to detest what is evil. We're to cling to what is good. We're to be devoted to one another in brotherly love outdoing ourselves in giving honor, honor, honor. Honor is this thing where we don't look at what's wrong with people, but honor is this thing where we look at what's right with people. We actually honor them as if we would, in, in essence, the president of the United States or someone that we highly respect. But what happens in the family is when we're around each other long enough, what do we see? They're false. And all of a sudden, when we start to see one another's faults and we start to look at each other through the flesh, we start to dishonor. We start to shut our love off. We start to shut our honor off. And we begin to back away from that. But the Word of God says, no, I want you to outdo each other in honor. And so it requires devotion. In Acts 2.42, it talks about how they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the, to the breaking of bread, to the fellowship, and to prayer and worship. They were devoted to four simple things, but it was all tied to devotion. Devotion to one another, devotion to the Word of God, to prayer and worship. And it changed, it radically changed the culture, didn't it? And we're, 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 we're in this process of creating healthy families that are going to change a culture instead of allowing the ch culture to change us. Can I have an amen on that? So the word devoted there literally means... I am zealous or ardent in attachment, loyalty, or affection towards you. I don't even use the word ardent. Anybody use that lately in their, in their terminology? I am just ardently loyal to you. But I know the word zeal, zealous. We all know what the word zeal, zealous. 
that I'm a, ze a zealous in my attachment towards Chad and my loyalty towards him and my affection towards Chad. Wow. I am, I am that for my children. I am, I am loyal to my children. I am devoted. My affection is there. It's so much easier in your natural family compared to your spiritual family, right? I mean, if Rebecca called me right now and said, hey, Dad, I've got uh, my transmission went out on the car. Uh, uh, I would finish my message, be right there. But I would be there in a heartbeat. I would be the devoted to her, right? But then when we transfer that into the church, it's like, wow, something else happens. And God's wanting to bring that kind of devotion even into the house of God. Now, listen, a church of 100, 150, you can't be devoted to that many people. That's where our connect groups have got to increase because that's within the group where you can have devotion. When you have 10 to 12 people, you can't be devoted to 150 people, can you, Chad? It's impossible. You'd be, uh, you'd, you'd be all over the place trying to make that happen. So at any rate, I'm zealous in, in my attachment to you, my loyalty to you, my affection towards you. There's this fervor for a person, this eager desire that is characterized by intense feeling and passionate passion. We have to have that within our families, and God wants to bring it into the house of God as well. So where are you at in your passion to, for, in your devotion to one another when you go through a trial? Where is your devotion when your family is going through a temptation? Where are you at in your devotion to your natural family or somebody within the church? Here's what I've found is that children learn how to walk through trials when they watch us. And if our children see us isolating ourselves when we're in a trial, not coming to church when we're in trial, running from the trial, acting like the trial's not existing, hiding in shame, falling away from the Lord instead of going to the Lord, our children watch how we handle trial. Don't they? And if they see me in my trial clinging to the body of Christ, asking for help from my family, if they see that I'm not a, a soldier-it-up kind of guy and doing it all on my own. I know when I was in the hospital, many mistook that I didn't want people coming up and to visit me. I wanted the body of Christ praying for me. I just didn't want to visit. I was in no place to visit until about Christmas. On Christmas Day, I was ready to visit. But I couldn't visit. I, 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 was, I was in such a battle. I needed the body of Christ battling with me. And I praise God. So if you misunderstood, don't go see Eric. It wasn't because I didn't want you there. I want the body of Christ. I want my family with me. I wanted you laying hands on me and praying for me. But there was this battle that I was going through. And I've got to have you and you've got to have me when we're in the battle. We can't run from family. We've got to run to family. We can't let shame and pride, if it's a trial, if it's a temptation, and you're, you're struggling with sin, don't let the shame of the sin keep you from the family. And how you deal with trials and temptations, your children are watching. When I seen Alexis and Austin coming in with their baby this morning, and I saw uh, um, Letitia carrying... Lazarus, I was like, oh God, we have got to show these children what it means to be a healthy family. 
We need to be devoted to one another, not isolated, not, not hiding from a trial, but actually allowing each other to help with the trial. I was uh, reading a book here recently, and in, in Chris Vallotton's book he shares, he's a Bethel guy, and he was talking about how he went through a trial when he was, um, before he got into ministry, and he owned his own um, auto mechanic shop, and he was working on cars, turning wrenches, and he had a, a lot of employees and all that kind of stuff, and money was tight. He couldn't pay his bills. He was just really, really, really struggling financially, and uh, he got so fed up at work, he went home early, and when he pulls up to the house, the house is completely dark. There's no electricity on in the house. He's like, oh, dang, what happened? He gets in the house, and there's a tent set up in the, the family room, and flashlights with the kids and his wife, and they were playing in the family room. He says, what is going on? Why is all the electricity off? And his wife, in honor and in love, she goes, honey, I just knew how much pressure you'd been under, and when you leave for work, I shut off all the electricity. I don't use any electricity, and I wait till you get home, and I turn it on, and I make sure everything's peaceful for when you get home. I'm talking, that's devotion. That's called, instead of slamming the husband because he's not providing, making him feel like a fool, making him feel like he's inadequate, she was doing everything she could in her power to help with the situation. She was devoted to her husband. I love that story. I love that story. And that's what healthy families do. Healthy families hold relationship higher as the highest priority. They put the spouse first, not the children. Guys, in this house, you've got to put your spouse first, not the children. It's backwards in our culture today. It's, our lives revolve around our children rather than husband and wife's relationship. And that covenant has to be strong. And everything comes from that, and it flows down to the children. We've got to get our marriages healthy. If your marriage isn't healthy, no shame. Go see Jeff and Susan. They're better than me, I promise you. Anybody, can I have an amen on that? It's okay to have that. Yeah, I've sat with you before. No. They consider the impact of the decisions and how it will affect others in the family. They don't live independently. I don't make decisions without my wife. I submit things to her. I yield things to her. What do you think? There's this thing about not living independently. That's what healthy families do. And they consider the impact of their decisions on how it's going to affect everybody in the family. When I make a decision here at church, I'm Tom and I and the team, we're, we're running that through on how will it affect the family. And we have to do that in our homes as well. Family members are dependable and follow through with what they say they will do. That's a big one. I see so many families not following through with what they say they're going to do. I see parents who discipline their children and say that they're going to do something and then they don't do it. And they don't follow through with what they said they're going to do with their children. You are developing mistrust. If you don't follow through with what you say you're going to do, you are developing mistrust. You're developing dysfunction within your family. Your kids will not respect and honor you. You have to hold the line and be dependable. 
If I say to you as a family member, I'm going to be there at 9 to help you, I'm there at 9 to help you. Instead of at 10 o'clock, hey, you still coming because I really need help. Oh, I forgot all about it. Dishonor, dishonor. I've devalued your relationship. The relationship is not important, as important as your schedule. It's not as important to what you had doing. It's not as important to your sleep. It's not as important to whatever you were going through. You see what I'm saying? This happens in families all the time, and it creates dysfunction. In healthy families, they work together through difficulty, and crisis actually brings them together. Because when you go through a trial and you're in a family, if you have a family to go through the trial with you, guess what? You don't feel like you're doing it all alone. You feel like, wow, I've got strength in numbers. I have courage. I can do this with my family. I can do this with my church family. If, I'm, if there's, there's some relationships right now that need the body of Christ to come to them. I love what Chris Valentin's son said in the book I was reading. I have had some big, big problems that were bigger than me, but I've never had problems bigger than my family. I've never had problems bigger than my family. There is no problem. There is no issue. There's no marriage in here that's not able to be saved through the family. There's no dysfunction in your life that this house and this family can't overcome with you in the power of God's grace. If you're in a struggle, there's enough help and strength here to help you. There is a grace from God to overcome the dysfunction and the trial you may be going through if we will cooperate with the Spirit of God. If we will cooperate with that grace as God's convicting our hearts and challenging it because healthy families have difficulties. Healthy families, they have disagreements. Healthy families have trials and temptations. Healthy families have troubles, just like everyone else does. But what they do with the trial, how they respond to the trial, if they go solo, there's not going to be help. If you soldier up and do it on your own, healthy families help each other and encourage each other through the trial or the temptation. And that's what sets us apart. That's what sets the Christians apart. That's how they're going to know we love one another. Don't let shame and pride hold you back. Because healthy families work together to correct problems because they are committed to one another and they're devoted in brotherly love to one another. They honor one another. They put each other before themselves. That's what healthy families do. They make a choice to love unconditionally through the trial. And they encourage and pull you up out of the hole. You, they help pull you through the trial. They help you look at a higher perspective. No, that's not who you are. Come on, come on. You can come up higher. That's what healthy families do. Healthy families don't blame each other for the trials. And they lovingly correct each other and hold each other accountable in the trials and temptations of life. You know, that's really the beautiful thing about the church family. 
If you really want to know the truth, the church family should be the healthiest place to be able to go to each other in loving correction. Having a meaningful relationship within this house should happen all the time. Where a Christian is literally watching another Christian's back. This means sometimes warning our brothers and sisters in Christ when they are being pulled away into sin and helping them to resist temptation and error. We have some of that going on right now where we're challenging people to resist the pull of the enemy, the deception of sin. Do you hear me? And to walk with them through the trial, to be there, to be devoted to one another in brotherly love. That's who we are. Can I say that's who we are? That's who we're becoming. And so Hebrews 3.13 says this, But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. You see, when I am tempted and when I'm in sin, I don't see my blind spots. Sometimes we're in willful sin, and I get that. I know when I'm in willful sin. And if we're in willful sin, we better, we better go to each other and say, hey, dude, you're better than this. What's going on? That is not you. I don't, that is not the John Doe that I know. That John Doe that I know is a lot better than that. What's going on in your life? And we explore what? The emotions. We explore the emotions that's going on in them that leads us to the fire of what's going on in their life. Because we've got to help each other through the trial, right? Some of these build on each other as, I, as we're going through them. But this thing of sin is so stinking deceptive. Can I have an amen on that? And man, we got to have, in my own natural family, I challenge my children when I see that they are starting to kind of go in a different direction. I don't control them, but I say, hey, what's going on here? Hey, what's, what's can, do you need help? Sometimes they want to go solo and they don't want any help. And it's like, okay, good luck with that. But boy, those who have humility and want help from their family, oh gosh, man, you can avoid a lot of headaches, can't you? You can avoid a lot of heartaches. You, you know, parents have been through what, you, what their kids have already walked. And, and there's some wisdom that, that we carry. Is that not true? Wouldn't you love it if your kids came up to you and said, hey, Dad, I really want to know what you think about this. We're really struggling in this area. And that's what devoted families do. They take care of each other. They're devoted to each other in brotherly love. So my question is, is how well are you doing with the being devoted to your family, your natural family, and helping them through the trials and the problems they're going through? And how are you doing in the church family? When's the last time you helped somebody in the church family to walk through a trial? Are you devoted to your church family? Or are you just part of the crowd? I'm just coming to enjoy the worship. Or are you part of the family? See, God wants you to be part of the family. God wants you to be part of the family because you're, I mean, we talked about it last week. When one suffers, we all suffer. When all is, one is honored, we all get honored. That there is this thing where we need each other and we need each other in this house and we need each other in our families. Amen? Okay. So again, healthy families are devoted to each other and encourage each other in the middle of a trial. And we'll keep moving because I want to get this message done today. I'm kind of going fast. If I'm going too fast, guess what? Podcast, you can listen to podcasts, but write these things down. Number six, healthy families build each other up. 
Write that down. Healthy families build each other up. Ephesians 4.29, do not let any unwholesome talk or word come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Do not let any unwholesome word come out of your mouth. Now, I've had problems with this, guys. I've had some of that, and I'm not talking about cussing here. We're not talking about profanity, okay? We're talking about the words you speak towards your family and the words you speak about your church family. Okay? Those words mean something, and those words do something, right? And in this passage here, the word unwholesome means what are what are the unwholesome words words that are likely to be detrimental to the mental health the physical or moral health of a person so what i say has an effect on the people around me right and so unwholesome words so here's how i i give you my own example of a bad practice or a bad social pattern from eric Kaler's life okay so i have a son and i've already cleared this with him that i could share this I have a son, he gets excited about everything. Right now, he is in Florida, and he is on spring break, and he is at the height of his glory. And I'm sure he's telling everybody on it, social media. I'm probably sure that some of you have already seen it, probably, would be my guess. And he is excited about everything. But he also gets excited and overemphasizes other things that drive me nuts. Do I have a witness? And so just as exciting as he gets on going to Florida, he gets excited about an injury playing basketball. I got a call the other day. Dad, man, I was playing intramural ball. And I mean, man, I really hurt my knee bad. It's swelling up. There's all kinds of fluid on it. I, can, I, can, I can't hardly even walk on it. I've been through this rodeo before. It's okay, buddy. I'll be praying for you. But I can tell you how many times in the past, I have another child here who will bear witness to this, and I have used my words, and I've said, quit being a drama king. Quit being a drama king. We did it the other night. Rebecca was here, Abe's girlfriend was there, and I heard it come out of somebody else's mouth besides mine. It's like, wow, I've taught him well. here's the deal I was shaming Abraham and the word shaming there's to drive through shame I was trying to get Abraham I was manipulating him through shame to get him to change I was manipulating him through shame to get him to change through my words now I've heard a lot worse than drama king I've heard fathers call their boys a-holes and all kinds of stuff sorry about that if that offends you it's true I've heard all kinds of words come out of people's mouth that is unwholesome that is not to build up. Proverbs 18.21 says, There is power, there is life and death in the power of my tongue. 
And I'm asking myself, okay, God, what are other words that I'm saying that are unwholesome? Because my words are to build up. My words are to edify. They're not to tear down. And in that example, I was tearing my son down. You can say words like, oh, you just walk in a poverty mentality. Well, if I say that to somebody, what am I doing? I'm shaming them in order to get them to change. I'm manipulating. I'm actually cooperating with a spirit of witchcraft. Ugh. Does that bother anybody? Ugh. That is ugly. That is not the kingdom. And I've done it. Sarcasm runs really good in our family. Ooh, that was a good one. Good job, Joe. Wow, yeah. But behind every sarcastic remark, there's this hope that somebody will change and get it. And it brings hurt. It brings shame. And we do this all the time. At least in my house. How about yours? No, no. I've got the wrong people. Praise the Lord, hallelujah, we have died and go to heaven. <laughs> we often use our words to ridicule, deride, to mock, to taunt. I mean, the list goes on and on. And these words imply making game with someone in an unkind way or sometimes in a loving way. <laughs> Whatever that is. To ridicule is to make fun of someone. In good humor? No. The intention is humiliation. The intention is shame. The t intention of our hearts is to get them to change. Is that not true? And we think it works, just like I thought my anger worked. We think that these subtle, passive-aggressive words work. Well, I promise you, friends, they work maybe for a season to humiliate somebody, but it produces dysfunction. It produces lack of confidence. It produces all kinds of social behaviors inside your children that will create them to have a dysfunctional family themselves. And they will go through the same social behaviors that you're going through as you lay that out to your children and say, hey, hope you do better than I did. Oh, thanks, Pops. Appreciate that. That's why I think emotional healing is so important in this house. That's why we're creating a culture for emotional healing. Because you know what? You may have to go to RTF. You may have to get Sozo 5, 6, 8, 10, 12, 100 times. Because there's all kinds of layers on your onions. And some of you are big honking purple onions. And some of you are Vandalias. <laughs> but it depends on what mom and dad handed you. As it depends on the size of your onion that needs unlayered. Some of your onion has a tough outer core. You ever tried to cut through an onion with that tough outer core? Yeah, that's called pride. And our words mean something. And I am not going to cooperate with witchcraft. How about you? Because healthy families, what they do is they show and speak appreciation. I love Abraham's sensitivity and his excitement. I love it. I love it. I love my daughter's honesty and her faithfulness. I praise God for it. I thank God for Joel's humor and his laughter. 
I mean, I can go down through the things that I love. I love Alger's faithfulness and servant heart. I love Alex's love for the Word of God. I love so many things about the people in this house. There are so many. We have such amazing people in this house. Do we have dysfunction? Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Are there areas that need to be improved? Yep, 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 yep. And we're going to get there. But it's the words that speak life. Healthy families build each other up. And I don't know about you, but I'm going to look for what is right and not what is wrong in people. I'm going to live by the spirit and see what's in the spirit of the person rather in their flesh. That flesh is not who they are. That flesh has already died and it's been crucified with Christ. It therefore no longer lives. But what lives is what is in Christ. And I'm going to concentrate on that. Can anybody go with me on that? So when you see my mistakes, just say, nope, that's not the real Eric. Press on. He's better than that, right? So what about your family? What dysfunctional patterns and behaviors do you have in your home? Is there a lot of sarcasm? Is there a lot of ridicule? Is there a lot of coarse joking and jabbing? A lot of mocking, complaining about others, speaking bad of others, shaming, guilting? How do you use your words? Are they life or are they death? Some of you need to write that down in your paper today. That God's wanting to deal with my heart on my words. And then I need to be a person that edifies and builds up. This is going to hit hard on dads. Colossians 3.21 Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. That word there, don't embitter your children, means don't pierce them with your words. Don't provoke or stir them up. In the second passage, when it says don't exasperate, it's do not provoke your children to anger with your words or irritate them intensely. Oh, I have done that. I've provoked anger in my children. God, forgive me. So my question is, what is God wanting you to change in your family? What are the practices? What are the behaviors? Write them down right now so that you can deal with them this week with God. Write what God is convicting you of right now when it comes to do my words edify and build others up in my family and in my church family. Will you do that? There's a grace to overcome these bad behaviors and these bad practices. And if God is convicting you, there is a grace to overcome and empower Almost. Good job, guys. And empower you. Boy, that just took the flesh spirit of God right out of that. <laughs> Can conviction last beyond a blurp? What's God wanting to convict you on and change? Amen? Because that's where we're all at, and there is a grace to overcome this junk. Amen? There is a grace to overcome this junk. And you got to determine what is God saying to you about your words. What is God saying to you about building others up? Because I tell you what, I've seen some face stuff, face puke or whatever Tom calls it. And there's a lot of slicing and dicing that goes on on the Facebook. Those words really create a lot of death and not much life. So, hey, we're going to be a different people, right? Because, again, it goes back to what Tom said earlier. We are imagers of God. Aren't you glad God doesn't say that about you? 
Don't you think God, his thoughts of, about you are, are, are thoughts of blessing, not curse? Whew, man, praise the Lord for that. So healthy families build each other up. Number seven, we're going to move to, and there will be a short video here shortly, but healthy families spend quality time together. Everybody say quality time. Now, there are some dysfunctions in this family when it comes to quality of time in the family. And there's a whole lot in our culture as well. And this is a, definitely a serious problem. And I'm going to let a psychologist share briefly with this video. It's 2 minutes and 31 seconds. Make sure you stop it on 231 because I really don't want her going into all the other stuff because we don't have time. So listen to the issue of quality time in our culture as we watch this. Thank you. Good stuff. Qu screen time. Okay, so... How many have ever been to a restaurant and uh, seen everybody on their phones or devices? Mm -hmm. How about at home? Sitting on the couch and everybody's on their phones, everybody's on their devices. Anybody got that problem? It's crazy, the research that I looked up. It is crazy what's going on in America with the quality of time that people are spending with their children. And it's not just their children. But it's talking about, it goes into even quality time that we spend with one another. Because nobody has time for one another. Research shows, the new research reveals that one in four parents feel too busy to spend enough time with their kids. Long work hours, lengthy commutes, and exhaustion are partly to blame when families do not spend time together. It's often filled with non-active events like TV, movies, and computer games. In the recent survey, it showed that Americans, adults, are spending three hours a day on social media. Okay? That's not counting TV. That's just social media. But guess how much time they're spending with their children? 37 minutes. Now, I'm sorry. You can't teach, train, and equip your children on 37 minutes. You can't have fun with your children in 37 minutes. That's the national average in America. It's 34 minutes in Europe. That we're spending no time together. I mean, quality time, healthy families spend quality time together. I mean, in the study, when asked which factors in their lives were to blame for their lack of family time, two-thirds of the parents surveyed identified their long work hours as the main culprit, but also their complex kids school activities is, was the other thing because they had their kids in everything because the children have become what's important rather than mom and dad being most important and then the children are a part of that covenant marriage and parents are dying for their children but they're not dying for their marriage covenant they're laying their sacrifice of their children on an altar of activities, and it's stealing our quality time. And I'm convicted. This is probably one of the things that I think Karen and I, we did well, because I had a tremendous concern being a pastor's kids, that quality time with my kids was very important. And I mean, I remember playing Duck, Duck, Goose, and Blues Clues, and we'd make up games and all kinds of stuff down in our basement, and we would play dodgeball in our basement. I've got holes behind the wood to prove it. 
But healthy families do enjoyable activities together. And some, and some activities be, be, become this thing where it becomes a family tradition. It's a family tradition now for my whole family to go to Canada and to go to the cabin up in Canada. It is, it was, it's not a, I mean, it, my mom and dad go, Karen's parents went, my kids go, and it is a family tradition that gives us so much quality family time, and it's a cheap, 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 cheap vacation. Praise the Lord for that. But some of that stuff become traditions. Go, I mean, some families, I can remember in my family this was the way it was, and I know there's some in this, but it was a family tradition to go home right after church and have a big meal together and talk and have all kinds of fun. And, and, and there was literally family time was after church. And we talked about the service. We talked about what God shared. And we were just a family. And those are few and far between in our culture. You can play board games. There's all kinds of things that families can do, but quality and quantity is important to, to, the, to it. I mean, you've got to have both quality and quantity, but it involves healthy communication. It's not being on your device all the time, amen? And there has to be this sense of play. There has to be this sense of humor. This has to, there has to be this thing of, of, of laughing and having fun. I'm going to show you a video in our house. You guys are going to get a kick out of it. But we spent hours doing this. Hours where we would video each other and do stuff. And we spent hours having fun as a family. Roll that video of my wife, Karen. You guys are going to get a kick out of this. You might pee your pants. phones and we'd do one and then we'd send it to the other one and we're in the family room doing these stupid corny videos having fun as a family laughter has got to be a part laughter is good medicine good good medicine so you got to get that thing that distorts your face on your iphone and you're ugly ugly who's your mama who's your daddy <laughs> One of the things that I said in years ago in ministry is, is that Tuesday was going to be my day off, and it was going to be a day where it was family day, and, and so every Tuesday when I would come home, and I know, it, I know how it is, you know, people think because I'm in the ministry that I have all the free time in the world. Well, if you had a job like mine, it wouldn't, you wouldn't, yeah, yeah. if you had a job like mine, you wouldn't either, <laughs> I promise you. But I can remember you know, we, we, I would come home and, 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 and we, would, we would play all kinds of games. We would go down to the basement and we would just be together as a family. I missed a lot of things. I missed some things that I didn't pick up on with my kids that I should have when, when it came to their emotions. But family time was very, very important and we have a very close family because of it. But you have got to make family time. You've got to make quality time together. Don't fall into the pattern of this world. Can I have an amen on? Don't fall into the American dream. I promise you extra hours at work will not pay off. It will actually create dysfunction. 
You think you're trying to get ahead. You won't be getting ahead. You'll actually be creating more dysfunction. It's not about the American dream. It's about God's dream and what God wants. Because when I think about all the the, 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 uh, the the belief systems and the things that we do with our children, and it, it, it's just crazy. Um, I'm, I'm looking for a note that I made that I didn't talk about. I mean, the, the bad social practices that we have, the bad social practices that God wants to correct, he doesn't want entertainment to be what you live for. He doesn't, you know, some of our social practices, the social practice in America is Black Friday. I mean, Black Friday is a practice that Americans do, right? Uh, tailgating is a practice that, that America does. Spend two or three hours before the game. Yeah. I mean, that's not a real good social practice if you're, you know, what I'm talking about. But social practices, some of the social practices that we get in, social practices of debt, social practices of, of how we spend money. There's some really, really bad practices that we have, right? And God's wanting to change that. And quality time together is one of those key things. So get one of those videos. Start doing that with your wife and your family, like Karen, and you'll have a lot of laughs, right? I'm joking with you. You've got to have fun. And quality, quality time with your family is serious. Amen? So that's the last one. We're running out of time here, so I'm going to land the plane, okay? So in review, being devoted to each other and encouraging one another in a trial or temptation was number one today. Number two today is God is wanting to change. What is he wanting to change in you with your words? Healthy families build each other up with their words. And number three is what is God wanting to overcome when it comes to your quality time spent with your family? What do you need to change in your family in order that quality time spent with your family actually happens? What do you need to change in your church family that quality time with church people is important. Our connect groups are not attended like they could be because people are too busy. They have no margin in their life for them. And that's how we grow. That's how we mature. That's how we help one another in the family. So what does God want to change? Will you cooperate with God? Will you allow his grace to help you break off your dysfunction? And yes, it may look like getting marriage counseling, like I said, with Jeff and Susan. It may get an emotional healing. It may mean that you need to get in a discipleship relationship. It may need, you may need to get involved in a connect group. You may need to do something, but will you cooperate with the Spirit of God? Because we've got to break these dysfunctions. We've got to break these patterns in our family so that we can create healthy, healthy families. Can I have an amen on that? The prophetic team, as they were praying earlier in the service, really, really felt some things. And I'm going to let Alger come up and kind of close the service because I really want the Holy Spirit to deal with our hearts. I, the last thing I want is for the conviction that we felt earlier, for it to just go out the window. There's a response that God is looking for from our hearts. Would you guys agree with that? Is there some things in your life that you feel convicted of after this message where you feel like, wow, I need to lay this down or I need to do this? Is anybody here having any of that in their hearts? Well, this is the time of the service for you to do something about it, to apply some truth to it. And the prophetic team got some direction on that. And so I'm going to let them take care of that. So God bless you and I love you. Go ahead, Al.